Welcome, it's SB Pod. Hi, Stanford Steve. Hi, buddy. How, How are we you? Doing? How are you? Good. Good. Can't complain. Fired up. Beach coming. Right. Father's, Father's Day. Day. U.S. Open. Let's go. All right. You didn't need to say that. What? What you just said. You know what? I did it subliminally, and I didn't do it loud. I just meant. How about this? Giddy up. <laughs> going to the Starboard this weekend? Orange crushes? Every day. That's uh, that's aggressive. Yeah. That's, aggr- that's a, but I, I'm going to let's let's plan. Let's plan to meet there. And um, don't, don't say anything you know. else, because uh, then, yeah. you know, Twitter might blow up and that whole thing. You know? Yeah, because people definitely will crowd around Stanford Steve and want to just watch to see how many orange crushes can one man drink in one day. Uh, we got Solly from No Laying Up Pod coming. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Open week. We'll definitely talk. Who's he like? Get some picks. The Bryson Brooks thing. I, I, I'll just say this about Bryson. He doesn't handle things in a way that helps him a lot. I don't blame him if the USGA asked, hey, do you want to play with Brooks this week? No, I don't. Because it's the U.S. Open. It's hard enough. And I don't need to invite the circus to us. If we play well enough that we are paired together, great. But you're manufacturing this drama that I, I just don't need any part of. He didn't say any of that because he's like, I think it's hilarious when people call me Brooksy. No, you don't. You hate it. You hate yeah. it. You can and just say, but, but anyway, we'll get into all of that. Yeah. I just, it, it, you, you said it perfect because there's so many situations he could have handled better. And every time he wins, he names off 95 people. Can one of those 95 people help him when it comes to handling a situation? Doesn't, apparently not to this point, but all right. The U S opens coming. I plan on watching a lot. Tory Pines, West Coast Major, good times. We got chaos as it relates to the NBA playoffs right now because everyone's hurt. Mm-hmm. And it sucks to have this many significant injuries happen late when it matters most. And you had LeBron take to Twitter. And, I mean, he's basically saying, look, I knew exactly what would happen. Injuries are part of the game, but his his point was that the the lack of rest, and now you got nine All Stars who've missed playoff games, which is the most in league history. I mean, we knew this was the get it in year. That's what that's what Woj called it. And there's a lot of finger pointing that can go around, and you can say people are greedy and the league's greedy. Well, the league could have said we lost billions of dollars and all the money you're supposed to get, you're not getting. So you can rest and we can play not as many games, but you're not getting your dough. I, I think that some of the injuries to, to chalk it up to the fact that they jammed too many games in is, is just opportunistic. I mean, Kyrie Irving hit landed on a guy's foot and rolled his ankle. That, that happens in February. Um, I don't know why Kawhi Leonard hurt his ACL, um, but if he's out, for a, a prolonged period of time, maybe for the rest of the playoffs, that's brutal. And, and the league suffers. Chris Paul's in COVID protocol. That has nothing to do with, with rest or not rest. Or we don't even know what that is. Like yeah. what the, no one really knows what the protocols are or what, it, what the story is as it relates to Paul. So it's a bit of a mystery. I agree with LeBron or with anybody else that would say, boy, it's a bummer that we get to this most important games of the year. And you're seeing so many players unable to play. There's, I don't, I don't know who would say, no, it's great. No one would. I just don't know that we can make a direct correlation between what went on from the bubble until now and say it's because of that. I, I don't know that we know that for sure. I'm not dismissing it entirely. I just know that when I, like the news that came on Wednesday just never stopped. I'm like, who got fired now? I mean, it just never ended. It was nuts this whole day. Yeah. LaMelo got rookie of the year. That was good news. I was surprised by that, actually. But um, who, who should it have been? Uh, I thought Edwards deserved it. I, I'm a guy that's about games played. I think I think that should be a component. We're talking about these injuries, and every injury is different than the other, but I like the guys that play more than others. And, um, you know, Lamel is great. I mean, coming back from injury and, you know, getting getting a postseason, that, that credit to him. But I think the team – um, the team success factors too much into these awards. Edwards was more than I thought he'd be, but the way they played invited him 
to score Correct. a lot of points. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit, I'm not going to use the word counterfeit because counterfeit is, implies fraudulent. He's not that. Mm-hmm. But the numbers I felt were inflated by the style of play. Understood. And I, I don't argue your point because it's valid. Look, the guy played. Mm-hmm. But but it's not Ball's fart, fault that he got. I said fart, but I meant fault. It's <laughs> not his fault that he got hurt. And I his his impact was significant. Um that guy's got that guy's got an interesting combination of skills. Fun to watch, but I, I mean, Van Gundy's out with New Orleans. I mean, I, what, we had Woj on when 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 he got hired there, and I said, you know, if you got if you went into any job interview and there was sort of a gap where you said the equivalent of, hey, what happened when you went to Detroit? <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's kind of ah, a, it was a fit thing, bad it didn't, situation, it didn't work out. It wasn't a good fit. The cap. Oh, okay. Well, no. Blame the cap. Yeah, the cap was a lot of stuff. I mean, you'd go, no, no, wait, wait, hold on. That's the last thing you did. Mm-hmm. And that, and we're going to just sort of blow that off and assume that it's going to work. And it had to really not work for it to get blown up in a year. I mean, the Scott Brooks thing here in D.C., I, I don't know. Who knows exactly what happens there? Supposedly, they, they couldn't agree on an extension now. Is that Brooks looking mutually at, parted ways? That's that's unusual. Like, you ever have a friend that they, ah, we broke up. Oh, who 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 did it? Ah, we both did. No one ever both <laughs> broke up in the history of the world. Okay, no one ever. Like you know, hey, you want to go out? You want to go out? Uh, go grab a go grab a dinner? Yeah, we'll go get a steak. Okay, that's great. Hey, uh, what are you gonna get? I'm gonna get a salad. I'm gonna get a T-bone. Nah, I'm gonna get a ribeye. Get a ribeye. Okay. Listen, hey, do you think we should stop going on? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Let's mutually agree to See break ya. up. You got the That's tab. never happened. Ever. In the history of the world. Not one relationship ever ended where two people just, just arrived simultaneously at the point where they decided the best course of action is to no longer be together. So I never believed that. But I saw people here in Washington that were celebrating like Brooks is the problem. Yeah. Oh, okay. Who, you think Phil Jackson's coming in here and making the Wizards <laughs> title contenders? Tell me the coach that's going to suddenly make them more than the sum of what they are currently. Uh, Gary Williams. Yeah, he's here. Bring him back. He's ready to go, baby. Uh, looking good, feeling good. I'm. I, I just. And I'm not saying Wizards fans are wrong, and that Scott Brooks did amazing things. I just, I'm, I'm always interested when fan bases react like he was the anchor that was holding them down, and now they will soar. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't buy that. But the, the, the news on Wednesday was chaos. The, the coaching stuff's interesting, but it, the, the injury. The, oh, and how about the, the, the Dallas thing where it was the whole yeah. Bob Vulgaris and the story that came out and. Cuban called it BS and then Nelson's out. I mean, that front office is interesting. NBA is, is relentlessly interesting, but the on the court product, not having the stars is just such a drain on the level of enthusiasm for it. Uh, so many dudes are banged up and it's just, I don't know. I don't LeBron, LeBron taking his, his gripes to social media. Um, I've, I was interesting. And again, I don't dismiss them. Uh, it got to be a, there's got to be a cumulative uh, negative impact on having to squeeze in as many games as they did from last July through the fall to turning right back around and playing. But there was really no other fix, and this had to be jammed into this window for everybody to get their dough, including the players, and to try to get done in time for the Olympics, so that you could then have a normal break and then start it up again in the fall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that that's just, I don't know what solution there was alternate to this, unless you just didn't play as many games, but then you, nobody makes as much money. Um, and it's easy to point at owners and say, Oh, greedy. Okay. Well, players made plenty of money too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, we're going to get to Sally here. US open. Do you have a pick before we start? US open? I have a couple picks. Golf insider Stanford Steve, let's go. Giddy my up. Excuse favorite, me. my favorite bet is, and there's plus money out there. You can still grab it. Last week's winner, Garrick Higo, to miss the cut at plus one twenty five. I'm just gonna 
just guess here that old Garrick probably had a good time since winning on Sunday. And I'm just saying the U.S. Open usually chews some people up and spits them out. I'm just going to say Garrick had a good time in the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he's going to be playing on the weekend. Um, I'm also hold, going to the fun, hold the fun. The guy's won like three worldwide starts in, th- in his last six starts, three of five, three of six, some, I'm, some absurd. US, yeah. He's tired. He might be. Yeah. And the U S opens hard. Okay. All I right. Mean, I just, I just, th- that's like betting. I think that's like when you play craps and you bet the thing, everyone hates you. If you bet that one thing, it's yeah. like betting a guy to miss the cut is like that. You're like that guy. Yep. And I got an even worse one here. All right. Phil to miss the cut. I mean, he, there was, if, if he, he's, I get it. Like, what's that plus what? Like plus 110. Not much. Not much. I just, you know, so much optimism out there. Everybody's talking about who's going to win, who's going to win. I want to focus on the negative. And, uh, you have any fun bets? Yeah. Finau to win. All right. So, in review, Higo. Had too much fun. Yep. Even though he's won three of his last five or six worldwide starts, Steve doesn't care. He misses the cut. A lot of travel. A lot Phil, of travel. <laughs> they get them planes, bro. They bring out a little red carpet and put on the tarmac for you when you get off the plane by yourself. Um, Phil, Mr. Feelgood needs this for the Grand Slam at 51. Six runner-up. Steve <laughs> missed the yep. cut. But feed out to win. I would love that. Tony Finau is the one of the most awesome humans you'll ever meet. And frankly, he hasn't won as much as people think he should. And he's played really well at Tory. So that's a, that's a good one. All right. I have a lot of people to win. I just take flyers. <laughs> that's right. It's all about flyers. Just take a shot. Take a stab in the dark. Give me Rom to win. I mean, I never, I'm never Mr. Chalk, Chalky McChalkerson. Yeah, but but Rom is I don't know he's just sometimes obvious is obvious for a reason, and he's seems obvious to me. Um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll take him to miss the cut too. You, that's like plus five hundred. Do whatever you want. I don't care. Um, all right, I'm we're, not going we're to taping this you. early in the evening on Wednesday. What time? Wednesday evening, late, early morning. Are you going to put in your final wager on the U.S. Open? I got pretty aggressive in the afternoon and uh and I a couple think, texts were sent out. I you know, I just was trying to figure out some places where I could find I'm not I just I like watching the US Open. It's particularly when you're not if you're not there, I mean if you're not covering it and then you just get to watch other people work, then just sit back and watch the carnage and just root for it. But I don't ever I, I don't ever bet for uh, I'll never bet a miscut. Because then I'd be rooting against people. I'm, I, I'm just, I'd never do that. Wow. Such a happy-go-lucky guy you are. That's me, Mr. Sunshine. I got just... something I hate <laughs> that I have to get off my chest. All right, all right, hold on. Wait, wait. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Roll the production. Steve and I have lengthy lists. Talking about this guy or this thing or this whatever. Once a week, one thing a week. Here's what I hate. Okay, Steve, what do you hate? Can we cut this with the completion percentages and NFL practices, please? Like, enough with the who's throwing interceptions, who looks good, who doesn't. Can we please cut that out? It is just so annoying. And NFL people, take a couple days off. Like, watch it practice tape or seven on seven, nine on seven. Like, go go for a walk. 
Enjoy the sunshine. It's summer outside. It's June. We're tracking completions and picks. They're in NFL practices, OTAs, mandatory workouts that some guys just don't go. So I don't know why they're mandatory. Enough with the completion percentages, please. That's reasonable. What you just said is reasonable. It's it. What is it proof? Seriously, it's fake. 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 I hate, I hate fake things. Because you know what happens in these OTAs, the guys that play well yeah. when at certain positions when the when the real guy's not there. You know what happens in July? The real guy's there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you know what matters more than June reps in practice? July and August reps in practice. Okay. Yeah. So let's take it easy here with all that. All right. I hate people that bet on people to miss the cut. <laughs> That's just the kind of negativity that is unnecessary, man. There's so many other things you can bet on other than to watch somebody else. Unless you got a matchup, unless, let's get you got unless, some matchups. Unless you walk a practice around and you think, ooh, that guy can't play right now. <laughs> and then, well, then you'd be fiscally irresponsible if you didn't take that information to the window and try to, to benefit from it. So okay. uh, I don't, I don't like any match. I don't, I, I see, I don't, I, I'll, I, I like some top 10. Give me Lowry for top 20. Ooh, okay. The guy plays good golf when it's hard. He played, he cashed at, uh, at Kiowa. He ended up playing well there late. Degenerate Gordon has a pick that I had to double check if it was the right name. Tell people who that is. People want to give it out. Degenerate Gordon's our, uh, our researcher on the show. Phenomenal mind of golf. He, let me tell you something. He, he's awesome. And at no point, at no point at, Four in the morning or eight at night did I ever see him at Kiowa without a massive lipper in. <laughs> I'm talking about a half a tin in his lower deck. At no point did he not have an entire, just a, a whole lower deck full of snooze. So his, he has, I mean, I'm telling you, he's hit a good four or five this year, first round leaders. He's really good at it. And Co-crack, you can get some Hoffman. Who's he got? You could, I had to look him up. I thought it was a fake name. Cameron Young. He's out there 150 to one to be your first round leader. So we got some shekels on Cameron Young. He's got an early tee time, 707. He's a teammate of Will Zalatoris at Wake Forest. I believe he's, um, I believe he's a New York kid. Uh, But I had to do some research on Cameron Young because my researcher told me a name. So I felt bad. Did, Did you? Did you bet that Cameron? I can't find him on my bootleg sites. Um, So I got some calls out to Vegas to see if I could, I could get a little couple shekels there. You know what else you could do? You could like, you could light that money on fire. Why? I believe I like the early tea time here. Early tea time Thursday. Post that number and go celebrate golf insider. Stanford Steve. Actually, we have a real golf insider uh, that will join us. No laying up one of the most, popular podcasts i i say this with no research done i don't i don't know what the numbers are like i don't know what the numbers are. i don't know what other golf podcasts do i just know no laying up has sincerely carved out a authentic unique and important voice uh in the sports world but particularly in the golf space and uh i've gone on their show several times so it's fun to be able to kind of flip the script here Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And... Action. Well, this is a pleasure to welcome in a man in a role reversal. Uh, I've been on their podcast on a couple of occasions, and there are way too many podcasts, as we know, but there are good ones. And No Laying Up is one of the really good ones. Chris Solomon, a.k.a. Sally, is with us right now. Thank you for letting me have you on as a guest, and it was, it's was it been fun. Hopefully, you will leave here feeling the same way I did when I was on with you. Uh, I love being in this role versus being the interviewer. I'm going to, I can talk as much as I want. You know, I don't have to ask questions in any of that. This is excellent. Thanks so much for, uh, for having me on. Well, 
I was on with you pre-Kiowa, and we talked about that venue, and it ended up being an incredible week. And Phil wins at 50, which is still just insane in retrospect. So many things have to happen to win a major, right? You got to be good. And then other people have to be not good. Like Dustin Johnson misses a cut among others. And so every, it's got to be a bit of serendipity and a bit of good fortune. And absolutely you play great. So we know a lot goes into winning a major championship. Last time we saw a major at Tory, it was tiger all timer. I was there. I don't know how you ever top that just from the sort of, the legend of the man and whether his leg, whatever was wrong, it was, he was kind of out there on one leg. So that's the history of Tory. I just start with this. Do you like it as a venue? I knew that's where we were going to start. I knew it. It's just a, every year, you know, the farmers, it, there just seems to be like this contrast between what I would call like a casual golf fan and a more hardcore golf fan when it comes to Tory Pines. Like if you flip on a golf tournament on a weekend and you know, you're not too tied in the result, you're not too tied in what, what the shots are being played. You see the hang gliders, you see the sunshine, the cliffs above, you know, La Jolla, all that. It's how you could say, I could understand how somebody could say, how can you not like Tory Pines? Look how beautiful this place is where I'm very much in the camp of it's a beautiful place, beautiful golf course, beautiful piece of land. Do I think the golf course is interesting? I don't. I think the holes that are the way they're laid out are rather, rather dull for lack of a better word. I'm not a fan of us setups that are long holes, narrow fairways and thick rough. I just, you know, we may very well end up on Sunday evening with an awesome close tournament at the very end. I just don't think the path to getting there for someone like myself that's watching, it's going to have it on at 9.45 a.m. Eastern tomorrow, all the way till the, 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 the tournament ends. The path to getting there is very important, I think. And the, the kind of golf that's rewarded, the kind of golf shots you see, the excitement of recovery shots, all that contributes greatly to an enjoyment of a U.S. Open. And I just think that, you know, obviously it's punishing to hit balls in the rough. I just don't think that promotes a very exciting style of golf. And I don't think it's a very unique test. So where do you net out on this? I, I'm very similarly, is that a word? I, I feel similarly. And what I mean is I've been there. It's really good, but I start with this, with a golf course, how many holes are really memorable? Oh, that's a tough question for, for Tori, honestly. And that's a tournament we see every year and that's pick a hole. I, I know uh, eight, okay, everybody knows 18 because everyone remembers tiger making that putt. And you know that there's a little lake there short and other than that, and I mean, look, there's some good holes. There's some stout par fours for sure. Uh, and there's some good par threes, but I just, the routing, and this is, some of this conversation will be for a much broader audience than you're used to. And some of it will be super golf channel-y for, hmm. for, for the geeks like you and me, Sally Stanford. She's just going to be like, no one knows what the f you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like the routing is, uninspired is way too harsh. I just, I think really what, what my issue is that I don't love major championship venues that are also regular tournament venues. And I don't know, I can't explain why. I, and I, I don't, I just, how do you feel about the idea of a repeat venue when, when one's a major and the other's not? If there's a lot of variety in how you can set it up, I could get on board with it, right? And, and uh, Pebble works. I think Pebble works as a U.S. Open venue. And well, as hold a on, let me, twenty second timeout. Pebble's Pebble. Pebble. Yeah. Like, like if I said Quail Hollow had the PGA in a regular event, okay, fun, fun, but uh, okay. <laughs> and then Tories, yeah, but Pebble's a one off because it's Pebble, it and it, and even though not every hole out there is great, no matter what everyone wants to tell you, um, <laughs> it's still Pebble. So it 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 occupies its own space. Continue. Yeah. So, it, you know, I enjoy watching Pebble every year for the tournament uh, for the AT&T. I don't necessarily enjoy watching Tory every year much for a PGA Tour event. So flipping over for a major, it really doesn't feel special. Right. And I'm with you. Quail Hollow, those, uh, you know, we see it every single year. We're going to see it for a President's Cup. We saw it for the PGA Championship. It just doesn't do it for me. I love personally love the excitement of either revisiting or getting to know a course I don't know or revisiting one that we haven't seen in nine years like Kiowa. And that that's just part of the fun of Major Week, whereas now it almost feels like we all have a cheat sheet to this course. And I, I don't want to say I feel behind in my preparation. I just feel kind of like kind of like I'm cruising into this week and I'm not used to feeling like that for a major. I don't feel like that about Augusta. Like I don't I, I'm looking for some new angle into that golf course every year, even though it's played there every year. But um, I, I think even for some of the more casual fans, the wider audience you were referring to here, whether you know it or realize it or not, when you watch golf, the venue and the setup matters a lot. 
right? It, it can be rather boring to have, you know, guys gouging out of rough. And some people get great joy out of just watching guys pitch out to the middle of the fairway. And I don't because one, I think it really rewards one playing style, which is hit it very far. When the fairways are this narrow, everyone's going to miss them, right? So there's not yep. a bet. There's not an advantage to, hey, let's just get one in the fairway here. Let's hit five iron in. Like every one of these guys is going to be want to be hitting drivers. So if they are in the rough, they're going to be closer to the green and can hold greens with wedges and nine irons. It's what happened with Bryson at Wingfoot. He drove it way better than people give him credit for, but he just the number of fairways he hit was so low because they're so narrow. With the way the golf ball goes now, it goes so far. And guys, natural dispersion patterns don't fit in these fairways. So guys are going to be in the rough and it just becomes a swing speed competition. And that I just like to see a more variety of skills challenged. Uh, let's talk some players. Um, obviously we got to start with the mono mono that we thought we were going to have. Right. Um, I want to ask this among the players on the tour, who's more liked Bryson or Brooks? Brooks is definitely more liked, uh, although I wouldn't put either of them high in the category of being liked from guy to guy. I, you know, I hear just from I, I haven't heard anyone really swear by Bryson, to be honest. And, and it's not always like a, uh, a true disdain. It's just kind of like a, a rolling the eyes of like, oh, that guy like and he's given us plenty of reasons to feel that way, especially mm-hmm. the guys out on tour. There's a lot of guys out there that work really hard, that go about their business, that don't appreciate the way that he brings so much attention on himself for all the different things that he does, how hard he works and really putting himself out there to that extent. Because like, like I said, a lot of those guys feel like they do very, have very similar work ethics and Brooks rubs a lot of people the wrong way, just at being in his own words, almost too good, too cool for golf. Right. He Mm -hmm. says he doesn't watch golf. He finds it boring. Even playing 18 holes is boring. Like, I don't think that's a great look for the game of golf. I don't think that endears you to golf fans too much. He's aloof, but here's the thing that I appreciate about the guy is that a lot of people say they don't care. Like, I think he, I think he, he's, I think it's authentic. Like, I don't, I think he can take your leave you. And not everybody's like that. I, I feel like, I feel like what happened on t- Tuesday, we're talking on Wednesday with Bryson, where Bryson did the whole thing. I think it's hilarious. No, you don't. You no. don't think it's hilarious when people call you Brooksy. His issue for me, Solly, is like, he just, every, like he gets it. If it's in the fairway, he still misses the green. And I'm talking about from a PR standpoint. You know what I'm saying? I just never feel like I never feel like he hits the fairway in the green. And it's like, why do you put yourself behind a tree all the time? I just it's baffling. Whereas Kepka, I think when people say I don't give a I really think he doesn't give a I think Kepka could truly take it or leave it with what you think of him. But also we're talking about a guy that is very image conscious. I realize I just contradicted myself greatly, yeah, but that's like fair. That's he, fair. he's not afraid to rub you the wrong way with, with things he says, right? He'll right. be direct. He will say what he feels. I actually really appreciate that about him. I don't always agree with what he says, but some people can confuse that, right? Say so you can't have it both ways. You want him to say things, but you disagree with what he says. It's like, no, that's very much like the spirit of media and, and why all of us have jobs doing this thing. But Bryson is not very in tune and doesn't seem to care or want to learn how to be in touch with normal people. Like there's just no way he would go about things the way that he does. If he cared about like endearing himself to these people, I think he, you know, watching some of his YouTube videos are interesting in kind of all the wrong ways. I think it's kind of very weird, very like the guys he has around him are just cheering him on with look, look how flexible he is. And you, you just, you need some editors in your life. You need some people to tell you, no, he has enough people on his team. He names off a NASCAR list after every win. (laughs) Can't somebody figure it out of all those people to do things better? You need someone in your, in your circle, Sally, that's not on scholarship or somebody who is, but will be honest with you. Yes. And, and, and a lot, look, a lot of people that reach certain places in life and in athletics have people that are along for the ride. And, I think it's it's probably hard to be the guy to go, hey, Bryson, like maybe we don't need to put out the video of you doing eight billion. I don't even know if they're shrugs and we don't need that guy doing chin ups. Who's this dude doing chin ups <laughs> in the garage at 10 o'clock at night? Like I'm and, and, and the other thing is, and Steve, I don't mean to hijack this this line of questioning, but I I think. I, I think that like the Kep, Kepka is has been em, embraced by the barstool element of golf fan, right? I mean, he's been all with big cat and PFT a bunch, and I think he's going to play Portnoy in some match. And so if that, if that sector of golf fan 
and I shouldn't just say bar stool, but any any young demographic guy that might smash 19 white claws and scream something at, at an event is going to be pro Brooks and anti Bryson just by default. And so now because because Bryson has, you know, had guys kicked out of Memorial, I just I just and then he says, I think it's hilarious. No, you don't no. like it, the whole thing just feels I think it feels like high school. And yeah. I know other guys that are out there. I know big time white players out there kind of roll their eyes at this and like, look, fellas, neither one of you is basking in glory here. You're not, you're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. no one's, it's not going to go away because you got guys saying, oh, I think it's good for the tour. Like Woodland, who's one of my favorite peoples the other day said, oh, I think this is good for the game. <laughs> like, I don't necessarily, I don't know why, why is it good for the game? It just, I don't know. The whole thing feels dumb to me, but I'm, look, I'm the old guy, admittedly. I, I think that golf should always and the tour itself needs to view itself much more as an entertainment product than they do golf is supposed to be entertaining and so in that regard i agree like this is what we're kind of leading the show with right we're talking about these two guys it's it's mm-hmm. reached the mainstream it you know no doubt. for the sport that is so desperate to reach the mainstream which i personally don't care about i don't mm-hmm. care about you know that many people watch. i'm no, i don't work in the tv business right yeah. uh, i i we our audience is more hardcore golf fans and we you know there's not too many of those that were where are they on Bryson? Like, I, I, I asked this knowing based on what it like reading the reactions to your guys tweets and hearing what you guys say. But just for our listeners that might not know, where are your listeners? And that's you got a big bunch of people out there. You guys have powerful voices in the sport. Where are they on DeChambeau? It is complicated, I would say. Um, there's a, a vocal minority that will defend him till, you know, till the cows come home just mm-hmm. in everything he does. You guys are way too hard on everything you say is laced in hate for him. It's like. I don't personally hate him. It's just kind of like, I don't see things the same way that he does. And for lack of better words, he acts like a sometimes. And like, that is hard (laughs) to relate to. And so to your exact point, like he has played every step of this wrong. Right. I mean, obviously you don't want this. He, he did what you can't do, which is let a mob ish of people know what bothers him, right? The, the video that was posted on, you know, there's a Snapchat video that somebody yelled, let's go Brooksy at him. He turns and said, whoever said, yeah, let's go Brooksy needs to get out of here. Boom. Like now they, it, you know, I've heard the word bully thrown around. I, I think it, you know, kind of maybe diminishes what actual bullying is, but like where I lost, where Kepka lost me in all this was kind of like rallying and outsourcing his fight to this crowd that you're talking about, the more rambunctious crowd that there's no getting the toothpaste back in the tube with that. I don't care mm-hmm. how many guys you throw out. How long's Baba Booey been in our lives? You know, that, that been, how long's getting the whole guy been in our lives? Like it, with golf, it does not go away quickly. And it's it's not something that I would wish, even if I don't like Bryson, I don't wish that on somebody during competition to be, you know, heckled at, in their arena. I know a ton of other sports have to deal with hecklers. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous, dangerous line, especially when it comes down to people having money on these, on these rounds of golf and these matches. And all it takes is one guy to yell at the top of your swing on the 72nd hole of a U.S. Open, and you've totally lost control of the situation. And we're not that far from that. That's what people don't maybe don't have appreciation for. How would you help him? He, he wouldn't listen. <laughs> but if, if, he, if he came to you and said, Sally, you're a bright guy, you're a level-headed guy, uh, what would you do if you were me? What would you say? Uh, well, I would, I would always do my pitch of like, Hey, why don't you come on our podcast and let everyone get to know you a little bit better. And maybe they'll have appreciation for you. However, I would have to coach that man up on how to carry yourself, to endear yourself to people a little bit. Right. And he to may not point, care about that. To that He's point that the, the speed, the speed stuff with you guys was amazing. I think I, I've always liked him a lot, but I felt like he, I think there's people that don't love speed just because he constantly has the conversation with Greller. And I don't mean that the, it rises to the level of dislike, but like, I think there's people out there that, oh, yeah. and, hey, enough talking to the ball and to each other. Yeah. But I thought when I thought he was so real and authentic with you guys, which is a credit to you, by the way. Um, who knows? Maybe DeChambeau would come on and you, and you could if you could strip through the veneer and get to whatever the real human is. That's what. So I don't know that it's a veneer, though. Like, I don't know if I agree with that. I think he is truly and authentically himself. And he, he but I'm so conflicted on this. Right. He doesn't carry himself in the way that would uh, endear himself to people mm-hmm. yet. He cares a lot what people think kind of in a different yep. way than Brooks does. But like, I still see this all the time with Bryson of, you know, he wants to explain these things to you, but he just does it in such a douchey way. I mean, like proprioception and ne- like neurological stuff, like that's not speaking to people. I don't understand that. Right. I'm as hardcore of a golf fan as there is. So it's, it's complicated. I, I think, 
Yeah, I, I want to tell people to be themselves and be real. And I think that he, Bryson is, and I just don't think that's working for him. So maybe don't be yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I want to I want to talk about Scott always talks about when Rory's right and he's he's going well. He's probably the most feared guy on the tour. I always want more from Rory. And I don't know, just you know, I don't know if he's putting the pieces together. What do you expect from him this weekend? Uh, I'm conflicted on Rory. I think uh, he's been drafting off of four major wins in four years that now is seven years old. Um, mm. He has, and it's hard. You, you can't be, you can't win four majors without being one of, if not the most talented guy in the whole generation. But you also can't go seven years without really being much of a, f- a factor in any of them since then. That's not a short period of time. And I think it's got to be one of those things where, he reached a certain, I don't know if his expectation changed after winning four of them, but now his standard is so high that he is, he starts every one of these poorly. Like it's yeah. a first eight holes, 12 holes every single time. And you know what he's great at is, is, and I give him credit and it happened in the open when they were in Portrush. he fought like hell and almost made the cut. And to his everlasting credit, man, he gave everything to try to erase that bad start that you point to. But he's also the master at hanging around and then shooting like Sunday 66 and backdoor in a top 10 or sometimes even a top five where you go, I don't even remember that he contended. Well, he kind of didn't, but he finished well. You know what I mean? So to your point, I I think in Steve's point, you just want to see him throw his hat in the ring and announce, look, you're going to deal with me all week. You're going to have to look at me. You're going to have, I'm going to be in your sight line. I'm going to be on the radar from Thursday on. And that really hasn't happened a whole lot. Get that chest out, man. You had that walk when, when you were vibing, like you had that walk, like the bounce. I am the baddest dude out here. And I know that. And you know that, and he doesn't carry himself like that anymore. And that's the frustrating part. But at the same time, like you get beat down for six or seven years of not being that dude. It's hard to fake it. Like it's not a thing you can fake, but I just think it at some point Rory stopped being a golfer and and knowing that he was great at golf and started really getting separating out the different parts of his game for for several years there he was the best ball striker in the world and his putting just wasn't really holding up and his wedge play wasn't really holding up and I think he gets to a point where like you put driver in my hand and yeah I am the baddest dude like I, I don't fear anybody out here yet gosh yeah everyone's been talking about how bad my wedges have been and everyone's been talking about how bad my putting's been now you feel a little more pressure on every one of those shots and the numbers show it. I mean, it just, he doesn't convert for where he drives the ball. He's not converted into scores nearly as much. And it's something, there's something to that where you feel like you're a golfer, a 25 foot putt is like, I'm amazing at golf. Whereas if you separate it out, like actually I'm just amazing at driving it and I'm not that great at putting it. You're not going to feel good at, at standing over that 25 footer. You know, what's interesting to me this week about Rom is that he feels like the most obvious that guy that we've had in a major in a while. And I'm, I mean, I don't want to say tiger cause he was his own, his own thing, but because you screwed Ron, up a lot of things for yes, all of us, yes, he, he really <laughs> did. But, but, but in Rom's case, he's one on this golf course and yeah, I know North South. I, you only, you don't play them both in this one, but whatever. He's one on this golf course. The last time we saw him, he had a six shot lead at Memorial before what happened happened. And that's its own conversation. But because of that, and the fact that he is inevitably a major winner, there are certain players that Xander's on that list, he's on that list. It's inevitable, given his talent and youth, that he will become a major champion, that it feels like the stars have aligned. And I, I hear more Rom than I can remember hearing really about any one player before any one major. And I just wonder, where do you land on his chances this week? Rom is so I'm a big fan of these guys. It's called datagolf.com is is these statistician guys that have broken down this game in a way that's hard to even fully grasp. It's so amazing what they have, right? And they do all these win probabilities. They do these strokes gain analysis. They have their own ranking system of players, similar to the Sagarin rankings or any other college football rankings that, you know, might look at analytics more than just the coaches poll or anything like that. And they have loved this guy for so their models have loved this guy to a point that doesn't necessarily translate to win, 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 win on the PGA tour or around the world. Cause Rom is overwhelmingly the favorite this week. And this is what makes Matt golf so maddening. And you said it's inevitable. He's going to win a major. He's 8.2% chance of winning. Like, that, that's the kind of odds you're working with in golf. And like, honestly, I wouldn't say it's inevitable that he wins one. I, I just wouldn't like every, like, of course, I think he should. If you take, you know, an 8% chance and multiply that by 
45 majors he's going to play in several years. Yeah, he should probably win one or two. But the math says that. But like, it's also something frustrating of like, yeah, it, what, what's a what's an equivalent basketball shot of 8.2%? It's got to be beyond the other free throw, right? So if you get 40 of them, like you, are you confident you can make one? Like, yeah, maybe, but like that, that, so that, that's the kind of thinking that goes into picking these, these major winners. And that's, that's look, that's an interesting way of framing it. And, and I hate the term. I don't disagree. Just so you agree. <laughs> I, I agree. But where I disagree is I say he's inevitable because I, and, and like when I go at, at Augustine, I've said this forever. There's a really long list of people who we say, Oh, uh, he'll, he'll win here. His yeah. talent, his skill set. Okay, okay. Talk to Tom Weisskopf. Right. Talk to Greg Norman. Talk to Ernie Else. Talk to David Duvall. Talk to Davis Love the Third. They were all going to win there, and then they didn't, and time ran out. So I understand the point that a lot of things have to happen right to win any one major championship. I just believe that the skill set Rom possesses and the, his youth gives him. Uh, if put it this way, if if we had a Vegas prop and. We, you knew you're going to be alive 40 years from now and, and you could have 40, 20, 25 years from now. And you could have Rom's next 25 years and the, and it's the simple prop. He wins a major or he doesn't. I, I'd bet every dollar I have that he's going to win a major. Yeah. I mean, by all means, he's the best. He's the favorite, a favorite for a reason, the best player probably in the world right now. I know Dustin, the official world golf rankings are sticky and DJ is still up there, but yeah. in terms of year over year production and just no weaknesses in his game, of course, but, but, but to your point, you still have to do it. And, yep. and, and I think the the masters, obviously you only get one chance a year and that's, and I think that the stress level ramps up, which is why guys like, Justin Rose, who's got a ton of top tens and top fives, he had his opportunity and he didn't grab it. And he might wake up an old man someday and realize, you know, I didn't do it. I think I told you the Scott Hoke story, right? About him with the, with standing on the other side of the ropes with the, with the, with the, uh, with the day pass after coming up with Andy Bean and my realization that my God, if he just, if he made a two foot putt, his entire life would have been different until this point. And that's where the cruelty of majors as King making or, being on the other side of the ropes kind of comes in, which is why I think these weeks appeal to people beyond just your, your tried and true. Oh, right? sure. I, oh I think, yeah. I, and a West coast, a West coast major is always better from a TV perspective because uh, we get it in prime time. Um, I, I just think I just, I, and this is where I, I'm curious. I'm going to ask Steve a question. I never do this mm-hmm. for, 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 as a guy who look, you love, you love action and you love big time events where, a golf major for you. It's Father's Day. I know you're going to be at the beach. Are you watching this? Are you toes toes up on the couch watching at some point throughout the weekend? Golf majors are my favorite professional sport to watch. Wow. I just I love learned something. That. I just I love learned that. something. <laughs> it's why? why is that? Just, I mean, it's what the, the, the mental toughness and what goes on. I still envy of these guys, um, you know, team sports, you know, there's all these other emotions going on and who's going to step up here. There ain't, there's none of that. It's, 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 you're waking up every day and you're looking in that mirror, brushing your teeth that morning. Like, what, what do I got? And, and to hear these guys talk about after they win, like I remember hearing DJ at Augusta last year when he won and talk about like, he couldn't, he couldn't eat the morning of like knowing he had the lead at Augusta and he tried, I think he's, I think he eats almond butter or peanut butter sandwich. He's like, I, I, he couldn't get it down. Like he had to, he basically gave his brother like a chewed part of the sandwich. Like this isn't happening today. Give me the water and we got to get going here. So, and then he me, it's just then all he that, all that comes into it. He yeah. couldn't speak when he won. Right. Yeah. Which gives, which makes you understand yeah. what it meant. And that, that's, that's why this week, Solly, like, look, my guy, Andy North's my guy. Okay. And we can say whatever you want about a career and maybe you get lucky once he did it twice, man. And there's a reason we say two-time U S open champion, Andy North. Mm -hmm. That's because that dude knuckled up twice and won this tournament. And I mean, he's my friend. So I just look at him like the the guy I talked to on the set, but every now and then I got to remind myself, this geezer won this thing twice, man. Like that's, you know what I mean? That's a, that's rarefied air. A couple of these in particular, pretty good names in those tournaments. Well, that's what makes what Kepka has done and continues to do in majors is Mm. one of the most underappreciated things about him. Because like we, this is like the first major that I have a a bet in on him because I fall asleep on, no matter how many times he does it, I fall asleep on him every time. And golf is so crazy and how it works. Like, 
I don't, you can gear yourself up for an NBA playoff run, right? You can do load management and you could probably play your best basketball in the NBA playoffs. But golf, the more you want it, like the harder it gets. And Kepka is truly like the only guy that gets tangibly better at the time when everybody wants to get better, right? We're talking about Rory kind of, yep. he does yep. dominate the PGA Tour in years and then we're like, all right, now it's his time for a major. And he falls back, falls back, falls back. And Kepka's the only two that just like, Goes. It doesn't matter what is, what kind of health he's in, what kind of shape his game is in. Going into it, he missed a cut last week at, at Palmetto, and that changes nothing for me. Oh. Absolutely nothing because he shows up and gets it. And when I say gets it done, like top tens, like that's getting it done in a major. You don't have to win one of these for it to be a great week. And he's won four of them. Like what? He, he's a very very underrated champion in that regard, just because he's not great week to week. I think we do this thing, and you you I'm sure did it when I was on at Kiowa and this isn't a knock on you because people listening are interested in who someone like you that follows us closely thinks could win beyond you. You've mentioned you have a bet on Kepka. I think we all know Rom's the favorite with good reason. And people point to Xander and the San Diego guys and whatever. God bless Phil. I mean, I think he, I, I mean, I, I don't I, imagine. I mean, like just for 10 seconds, just imagine if he had another one and he finished the slam at 51 in his home time, that would be, Beyond, oh my God. Com- beyond comprehension. I'm thinking about who could win, and I, I don't think Phil could, but then he did the last time we played, so I don't want to totally dismiss. If we're going down the list beyond just the 8-1, to 9-1, to one, whatever types, somebody that you think, you know what, this guy this week, I wouldn't be surprised if. Is there a name that, that's on that list? Colin Morikawa. He is, the, he is like the king of, gosh, how did I not see this coming into a guy? Like he's just, every time he wins and he, and I don't have a play on him in some way, I'm like, how do you, of course he, uh, of course he's doing this. It's a golf course that as Tiger Woods has shown for many, many years, of course that he won on many times, you can play from the right side and you can, you can, uh, it favors guys hitting it left to right coming into the greens and 14 of the 18 greens are, you know, depending on, you know, how you define this, but based on where the bunkers are positioned, it favors fades coming into greens. So if that guy's on his game, he hits it far enough and he's the one, if not one, if not the best iron player, one of the best iron players in the world. And that's, that's, I don't know if that's far enough down the list, but that's guy who can definitely win this. If, if you didn't say one of the best, that's, I, I think it's just his iron game. I just trust more than anyone else. Yeah. Um, and I, I was going to give you and say, Hey, way to go out on a limb with more Kawa. I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah, who's more, your pick? Who's your pick? You're going me? out on a limb. Yeah. Well, I, I, I picked Rom and ESPN.com. <laughs> and I said, Look, I've made I for however long I've been doing this, be it radio or TV, my guy Stanford Steve and I, we do this segment winners where we pick winners. And all I do is take underdogs. If I take a favorite, it's noteworthy because that's just not my thing. But as I said on dot com, Sally, sometimes you just have to let common sense be your guide and look at a look at Rom's talent, his form, and this course. And don't try so hard to be cute or clever. Yep. Well, uh, this is the golf course where you don't try too hard to be cute because I it honestly, I don't think you go very far down this list for a winner. I, I it's not a kind of place where, you know, no disrespect to Webb Simpson when he won it. Like Olympic Club was a golf course that somebody like Webb can win at, right? Mm-hmm. And this is probably not that golf course. And it, I don't think we're it, we're due for a surprise winner of any kind. I mean, Phil. Phil, I, we should, I don't know, we should do a daily show where we talk about the fact that Phil won the PGA because it all—it still has just like kind of brushed by like how ridiculous that was. Yeah, he did that. That happened. He did it. He at 50 years old. I mean, and I had a player when the whole thing came up about Saudi Arabia say not being disrespectful, but hey, look, if Phil wants to entertain that dough, I don't blame him because he's not really relevant out here on tour, you know. Look at look at Quail Hollow as an example. Shot sixty four for a round, but then he finished like tied for sixty yeah. something. I mean, he finished seven over. That is a week that would make more sense than what he did at Kiowa, which forever he earned the right to have that week be marvelled at. No. But I'm with you. I feel like this course, as the USGA likes to say, it will identify a proper champion. Uh, where are you on USJ setups? Because now that we're not in the U.S. open business, I can say it's always bothered me the way they <laughs> look at Marion over the weekend. Uh, say 70 guys made the cut. Not one person made birdie on 18 at Marion on the weekend. So like 140 chances for the best players in the world. Not, not, not one person made it three by accident. I can't stand protecting par as a mandate and then pretending like you don't do it. 
It's why I've always said the Open Championship gets it correct. They don't care if the champion golfers 10 under or 10 over. They're just as happy either way. Where do you where do you land when it comes to setups in general for for this particular week? I am in favor of playing styles that promote exciting golf, uh, which is so they, they, I, feel, I really do feel like ever since John Bodenheimer uh, has taken over setups for the USGA, it seems to be more based around just a, a tough ish golf tournament a tough ish setup, but extremely fair. Right. And we are not going to take you out of play if you don't hit the fairway. Right. Pebble Beach was not set up that difficult. Right. The wind didn't blow. And it's it, in a wing foot played most kind of difficult. But I just, again, I don't like courses that are set up with narrow fairways and thick rough because it, it, it's counterintuitive, but it just turns things into a driving contest. And that's why, you know, seeing all the thick rough at Torrey Pines it has just turned me into, yeah, I don't like golf courses that promote that style of play and don't promote excitement. Now, what I think was actually two of the most interesting things they've, di- they've done in recent years are uh, places they said they probably won't go back to, which is Chambers Bay and Aaron Hills are golf courses that are wider fairways uh, have promote a totally different style of play. A lot of creativity. Chambers Bay was a mess for the green. They kind of almost kind of lost the greens leading up to that. No, they that did. golf course by all estimation is an incredible golf course. And there were some really fun shots played around contours. And, you know, if you might miss in a certain spot and it might bound 50 yards left of a green, cause there's no rough there to stop it. And pros view that as unfair. Like I missed by two feet. Why am I getting punished that far? I say that's exactly the kind of golf I want to see. If you're going to try to get it close to this pin, you run the risk of going all the way down. When there's thick rough around the greens, you try to get it close to that pin, it's going to stop five feet off the green in thick rough. And that on repeat gets is, is a struggle. Whereas if you're down the hill 40, 50 yards away, you got to play off short grass. you got to figure out where you want to land it. you got to figure out all these contours and how to get the ball to the hole. That kind of creativity on display for 72 holes is way more fun from, from an entertainment standpoint. I think... Do I think Tory's going to identify a great golfer that hits it very far? I do. I definitely yeah. think I do. Uh, I just think it's golf is more fun when there's more opportunities for different playing styles to be involved at the end. Important question, Sally. Define good ball striker. Okay. Good ball striker. Good at hitting the ball. Good at striking the ball. How's that? No, it's give good me ball three striker. guys. Give me three guys in the top twenty that are not good ball strikers. The, anyone in the top 20 is a okay. good ball striker. All, All of right. them are. And, and it, <laughs> I see what you're getting at here. Like there, but there are, there is <laughs> everywhere. Different. Every guy feels like I want to hear somebody be like, he's not really a great ball striker. I never hear it ever. Gosh. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head. A, a truly a name. That's not like a great, like me, Cameron, Cameron me. Smith is not a great ball striker. I wouldn't say. And he's okay. one of the top 30 players in the world. Probably he gets it All done. Right. He's an incredible putter. Gets it done around the greens. But if you look at like where he gains strokes, it's more short game than long game, which is an exception to the rule, right? And a lot of bad advice is out there. Drive for show, putt for dough is not an applicable saying. It hasn't been forever really in golf. Like the long game and like ball striking, it it makes up somewhere around 72% of your score. And, you know, you can get really upset about a missed eight-foot putt. But in reality, the guys that keep hitting it to eight feet are going to beat the guys that hit it to 20 and rely on the putting versus, you know, the guys that maybe aren't great at putting from eight feet. Just always get it closer to the hole if with a clear line into the hole and, and, and you're going to be a better golfer. Just the math just checks out that way. You might in certain short periods of time get away with, the, with a great round where you made every putt, but you can't live on that edge of your variance for very long. Okay. It's all about the math. Uh, who are you more confident in this week, Xander or Finau? Uh, I am going to say Finau. Finau's got a good, uh, a better Tory record than Xander does. I, I just never buy in the hometown hype for majors. It never mm. seems to really pan out. You know, it, it's more distraction, I think, than it is a helpful thing. There's expectations. You probably had it circled on the calendar for longer. And we talked about just how adding any of that does not help you play better golf. You might still play better, but I don't know. I'm not really buying the, the hometown home game kind of factor from him. And Finau, Finau gets a lot of a lot of flack for not winning much. He's only won one time. Cash them but, checks though. 
but there's something to be, there's a reason why they write a very good check for T5. And it's because you beat 150 of the best players in the world and, and the golf world. And I think television, you know, sometimes lacks in, in, in letting viewers know the importance of like, and the value in finishing fifth, you watch a regular PGA tour event and a guy is battling for second or third. And he's got a, a chance to tie. He's looking to hold this from the fairway for a chance to tie the lead. Like, now he's probably looking to make birdie to get solo second here because that matters in golf. You know, that matters in formula one. Like they follow the midfield races better than, you know, any, any other sport I think probably does. And that matters in golf. So he gets kind of brushed under the rug because he doesn't win much, but that doesn't mean he's not a great, great player that is going to, you know, could win you a top 10 bet, top 20 bet, top five bet, even. Okay. Speaking of television, how, how good are we, Sally, when we do majors? Tell us, tell everyone oh how, good, God. how good we are. I'm not just saying this to you. You keep, I feel like after every major you text me and you're prying as in like, Hey, what can we improve? I'm like, dude, I'm not like blowing smoke up your ass. You guys are so good at just like showing golf, setting the right tempo. And I think it just also helps to hear different voices than you hear week to week. It makes it feel like a bigger event. And, you know, I hate to say it, but like announcers can get stuck in kind of platter. If you got to do it every week, like you can get stuck saying the same kind of things every week. I always say, I don't don't envy your guys' jobs because it's hard to, I, I don't want that. I can't speak for four hours on the air without repeating myself or, or boring myself to sleep, you know? And we benefit from parachuting in and, yes. doing, and doing one. And we also benefit from David Duvall, I think is, I, I find him so interesting. I've done golf for a long time. Sean McDonough is a legend in our business. And then we have guys like Dave Fleming and Bob Wushusen. And these guys are all excellent play-by-play guys, far better than me. And then it's just, you get Andy and, and Kratz and all these guys. And I, I think we, Curtis Strange, I'm, I don't want to leave anybody out. Hmm. We, we all do genuinely like each other. And we don't work together enough for us to hate each other or you to hate us. And so I feel <laughs> like we just, we have the benefit. You know what it's like? It's like yeah. that it's like that buddy who sh- you see once a year. And he's like a good time Charlie. And you hang out, you're like, that guy's awesome. Well, if you live with that guy, you might be like, he has to leave soon, right? But we're only there for a little bit. And we just, eh, it's all good. It's all good. And then we split. And But I, I do appreciate, I think you and, and, and your, your uh, listeners have been, you know, fairly kind when we turn up at these, at these because I think you, I, I hope you appreciate that we, we're as invested in it as you yeah. are, if not, if not more so, you know? Well, it, it's a lot of times when I watch golf on TV, I don't feel like I, the the either the presentation is treating it like a big sporting event right a lot of times it feels like a vehicle for advertising right and when you guys come in it it feels like a big time event it feels like you're covering a big sporting event the way you speak about it is just in a different voice than what we're used to week to week and again that might be the benefit of just be you be parachuting in but i've always appreciated that but but one thing though that i'd say and and i hope that and what when hopefully some of your listeners will will uh, indulge us and listen to you here i i would say to to you and to golf twitter that televising a golf event is an incredibly complex thing insane if if you watch the red zone and you watch you know scott hansen on on, on the weekend um or siciliano whichever you know cable or satellite you're getting say there's six games and you're they're showing you the best plays in real time from six games well as you know, there are 18 holes. There are approaches, yep. drives, and putts happening simultaneously, particularly on Thursday and Friday. Trying to present a coherent, not-on-tape kind of deal is a complex television pr- uh, production beyond anything else I've ever seen. And I just, if if people just kind of push back and thought, you know, it's probably harder to do than we, like everyone just screams, show us golf shots! <laughs> it's like, all right. We're trying, man, but there's a lot going on at once. So I guess that's my, not my plea, but just sort of a mea culpa of sorts of, of, because I understand there are critiques. I just think that you got to kind of recognize what it is that we're being asked to do. Sure. No, it is. There's no other sport. Football, there's one ball. Basketball, there's one ball. Baseball, there's one ball. And in golf, there's as many as, gosh, I don't even know how many balls in play all at once. Like it's uh, Jeff Newbarth, who I think, you know, made a great analogy once for me, said it's like air traffic control, right? You got one, one, one plane's landing and one plane taking off and it just has to go like that. And if I, it, it all comes back to commercial load for me. And it's more of a week to week PGA tour thing, right? Because 
it's, it's hard to show enough golf when your windows are limited. And then when you're trying to do storytelling and show golf, that's when you're just so squeezed and Reasonable. you guys have a premium product and that that's just, you know, it, I, we're really hard on CBS and NBC a lot because of, you know, honestly, the contractual obligations that they're under from being uh, with the PGA tour. Yeah. But and we're awesome. We're awesome. You awesome. are, but <laughs> you are, but you're helped out greatly with not ha- having minimal commercial interruption on ESPN plus. And oh yeah. We see, we come on on plus and we, we trick you guys. Cause when we yes. go over to the, we go to ESPN regular, there's a little more, a little more commercial for though. sure. All right. On the way out, just this, I, and I'll, I'll reciprocate uh, your guys story. If people don't know it, uh, piece on who wrote that piece. Was it ringer or athletic? I'm forgetting uh, the athletic Brandon yeah. Quinn. Yeah. Okay. So, read that profile. If you have, if you haven't already your story, is insane and it's such a cool deal where people kind of stumble into something and you have a passion and you turn it into a thing and i just i just think it's all i think it's amazing if you when you started if someone told you that it would have become what it's become how do you best explain how no shot you would have said that was <laughs> what's funny is uh probably let's say about 10 years ago i had a, a desk job and I used to listen to, I would listen to Dan Patrick every morning for three hours. And I would listen to your show every afternoon for three hours. And I would just imagine like, whoa, how cool would a job in, in sports be like a talk, you know, to talk for a living about sports. How amazing would that be? So coming on this show today is honestly like a really cool moment for me, but it, it's so, it's very hard to grasp. It, it, it is, it's, we've been super lucky. Our fans are so supportive. Uh, I think it, you know, a lot of people reach out and ask for advice. How did, how did this happen? Like if I had to replicate this, if we were like to try this, there's no way we would have hit every, the step that we did. It's kind of like we had blinders on for a while and we just kind of hit every right button that we could have hit. And, and, and that's not to downplay our, our, our success. It's just like it, it, if we just set out to do this, we would have failed. Right. It kind of meandered and meandered. We learned a lot along the way. And there's something to, to be said for, you know, a lot of the things we said and did in the early parts, like didn't work. You had to do trial and error. You had to learn what appealed to people. And uh, now we're lucky enough to, we, we have a, we just have a mission statement, right? It's to inform or entertain. And if you can do both, then you're having probably a great show and be authentic, be real. And you don't have to pander to people. People may not like what you say at times, but say what you believe. That's why they're tuning into it. So that's kind go. of what we live by. Well, and, and, and all of that comes through. And when you're not trying so hard to play some role, when you're not trying to wake up and remember what your lines are, all you have to do is say what you think and be who you are. And I'd like to think that if myself, Rosillo, Stanford, Steve, like the people that have been in my orbit, if we've done anything well, it's that. And I think that's what you all are doing as a final just thought. I would I would quote Colin Cowherd, whose line about don't try to be happier than happy applies. If you're in a happy spot, like sometimes aspiring to more can be the pothole that derails the whole thing. Is there a is there some next step? Is there something you aspire to beyond where you currently reside? Uh, you know, it's a great question and not one we're ready to, the answer would be no. It's, Good. it's you know, we we love what we do. It's fun. It's, it's more and more challenging every year and the more it grows, but it, you know, we have uh, some great partners in our lives that, you know, my wife is very understanding person for, and you can attest to this too. The hours are not normal. It's not, you know, sharing the duties is not always easy. It's a, uh, it's a big time commitment, but there's something to be said for following a passion and getting to do it every day. And uh, I, I, I hated this advice when I worked a desk job, you know, the whole, you know, find something you love and you never work a day in your life and, you know, do chase all this. Cause I feel so privileged to have like kind of, you know, I've worked hard at it, but it worked out for me. It does. It's not going to work out for everyone that follows a passion in terms of turning into a day job, but there is something to be said for, you know, doing, you know, I YOLO is overplayed, but you only get one chance at this life. Right. So doing something you hate for a long period of time, whatever that is, is it, probably not, it's not good for you. It's probably, you know, it's not going to reward you in the way that maybe you think it might. So uh, always be chasing and trying. And if you, it, if you fail, you can try a different, try a different way, try a different, try the same thing again. And it might work out the next time or the 10th time or the hundredth time. So uh, that's, that's my advice to people. And it, it might not be good advice, but that's, that's all I got. No, it's perfect, bro. Uh, the hashtag tour sauce slap a little on there and uh, just enjoy, keep enjoying what you're doing. I, I mean it sincerely. I, I, uh, I, I admire 
that you all are who you are and uh, and you know that it's enough. And that's why it's resonated. That's why the No Laying Up podcast has grown to the place that it has. And uh, this was cool to be able to uh, reciprocate by having you on. I appreciate you uh, doing so. And uh, I know you're, I believe your bride is looking for a few minutes of your time and attention. So please. Uh, she may not see me the rest of the weekend. So I, yeah. I was going to say before, <laughs> before the peg goes on the ground early tomorrow morning, get, get that sorted out. Continue success in all you do, and uh, and I hope our paths cross again soon, all right? All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. So our thanks to Solly, our thanks to you, to all the dads out there. I hope you have a happy Father's Day. Stand do you need Steve. parent advice on the back end for the huh? dads out there? you need parent advice this week, or are you good? No, I think everybody that listened last week Swim knows. diapers, people. They work. What? Make sure you have them. Swim diapers for the kids. Don't be yeah. throwing your kid in the pool with a regular diaper on. All right? Come on. Step it's it up here. It's a mistake we've all made, Steve. And you realize it when you're trying to out. help them out. They, they work. Understood. But like a regular diaper and it's like, they have a full Nerf football in their body and you realize, Oh hell, I forgot. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Yeah. I've done it more than once. No, I don't go. have any advice, but here's the thing, Travis, you just, neither do you. And that's what we <laughs> learned last week. Neither do you. So you just keep it to yourself. Um, I hope all the dads out there have a good father's day. Stanford, Steve, I'll see you. I'll see you down the ocean, hon. All right. Italy to win the Euros, too. Need that. Cam Young, first round. Yes. I mean, I, I hope he leads after first round. That would be the greatest thing that ever happened. But, my God, Gordon, that dude needs – somebody needs to help him. Okay, that's the end of the podcast.